One of my mentors, uh, Pastor Steve Pearson, uh, embodied what I believe is a scriptural principle, and that is this. You serve your way into somebody's heart. And any time as a pastor he saw a need, he would meet that need. It didn't matter if it was in the middle of the night. It didn't matter if it was wise or unwise. It didn't matter if he had already worked 100 hours that week. Baby, if there was a need, he was there. I just That was him, and he embodied this way of serving. And he did that for eight years at a church in Shelbyville, the Shelbyville United Methodist Church. And if you're not familiar with how Methodism works, uh, the church doesn't really get a say in how long you get to keep a pastor. The, the, the church leadership comes in and goes, bing, it's the cycle, and they, you know, spin them around and throw the dice. I'm, I'm summarizing as a Baptist. If I were a Methodist, I would explain it differently, okay? So, so, if, if, so that's kind of how it works. And when the district superintendent stepped in to, to take Steve somewhere else, that church practically went into a ecclesiastical hissy fit. They called meetings. They wrote letters. They did a whole campaign. Don't take Steve on. And there was crying when he left because he had served his way into their hearts. For years after that, when he was the when I served with him at the mothership, he, he would get calls and, and he would have to go do funerals in Shelbyville because when the people died, they were like, I don't care who the pastor is. Pastor Steve's my pastor. You, I want him to do the funeral. And so he, you know, about every three months, there'd be some other funeral, you know, at Shelbyville he'd have to go do. Um, when I was a staff pastor, uh, there was a couple, uh, uh, they had teenagers in the youth ministry and uh, they, they totally uh, got this concept. You serve your way into people's hearts. Uh, they, uh, uh, they took the meals on Sunday nights when there was youth group, and they cooked and cleaned and prepared. They would go two, three days before, uh, uh, before uh, Ichthus and stake out a claim and, and do the territory. And this was back when Ichthus was during... The, the, the rainy monsoon season, okay? So you really had to love Jesus to, to stake out that muddy bit of territory, okay? And so uh, they, uh, they did that. They did all those kind of things, and they served their way into that pastor's heart. They really did. Um, and so uh, serving, serving in that way, when you see a need and you meet a need, it has the potential to right a wrong. It has the potential to open and expand a channel of influence. Serving someone when you meet a need in that way really is a force that's hard to resist. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, Jenny and I, uh, three, four, five years ago, when, when our kids swam on the Firebrook swim team, uh, Jenny asked a very loaded, powerful question that centers around this principle. She went to the coaching staff of Firebrook and said, so what are the jobs that nobody wants to do? I'm sorry, what? Yeah, what are the jobs that nobody wants? Oh, well, that's like clerk, of course, and then we have the banquet, and no one wants to haul away the trash. Okay, we'll do those. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and we just did those. So I was the trash hauler. She was the clerk, of course. And guess what? After a year or two on that swim team, they were like, we love the Vanderpools. They're so great. And really, they're not all that great. It's just we took out the trash and did clerk, of course. <laughs> And it opened a channel of influence, okay? So it, if you brought a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Paul outlines this principle in this very complicated book, which has to do with legalism and lots of other stuff. So 
Galatians chapter 5, verses 13, 14, and 15. Uh, this is a letter that Paul wrote to a group of uh, Christians in what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, uh, there were Jude- Judaizers, and Judaizers uh, believed this. Yeah, Jesus is awesome, and he's great, and this is just amazing what he's done. And if you take Jesus and add Moses into the mix and do all the stuff that Moses commanded, woohoo, you're in with God. And Paul kind of was writing this letter to go, I'm sorry, what? Jesus plus what? I'm sorry, your math is wrong. You know, and he said some very, very stark things in this letter. Um, I'll let you read that for themselves. Um, So, verses 13, uh, 14, and 15, he wrote this. For you have been called to live in freedom. Teenagers, this is your life verse, right? You have been called to live in freedom. Freedom. What everyone yearns to have. Please, mom and dad, give me the keys. Okay. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. And then there's a powerful word, but. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Okay, so people, in other words, don't be like the stereotypical college freshman who goes in there and puts on the freshman 15, who stays up till two or three every morning, who on finals week goes, oh, research paper, and is putting together 50 pages of gobbledygook in six hours of an all-nighter jolt-induced stupor. (laughs) Okay? Don't be like that, Paul says, okay? Instead, instead, use your freedom to do what? Serve one another. Serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself, okay? In other words, Paul is saying, now that you don't have to, now that, now that you're totally free to do whatever you want to do, okay? You're just free. Christ has made you free, and you're free as a bird. Now that you're free, become a slave and serve your fellow Christians. Serve people. And he kind of, I mean, he comes out of nowhere with this logic. Um, in a marriage relationship, uh, the way this works out, anytime I cook in our household, I am serving my wife. I hate cooking. I like baking, the end result of baking is great. It's like cookies and cakes and brownies and toffee bars. The end result of cooking is just food, okay? Unless it's steak, it's really not worth the effort. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I know some of the cooks in the audience are like, oh, that's leaving now. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that kind of church. <laughs> okay? So anytime I cook in Jenny's scope of things, you know, that's like, oh. You know, I'm serving her. And, it, you know, believe me, the channel of influence goes really wide. Vice versa. When she loads that dishwasher, ding, it's not her normal chore. Or, you know, loads of laundry. It's the same way. I'm like, Jenny, I love you. You're the greatest thing in the world. You serve your way into someone's heart. Um, and so when you see a need, you meet the need. And, and so Paul goes on. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the positive example. Here's why, it's, here's why you should serve one another. Because... Love serves. And then he uses a negative example, and that's verse 15. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Um, when biting and devouring are what happen in the absence of love and service, biting and devouring are what happen when you're looking out for number one. 
when your needs eclipse everything else. When, and this works out in all kinds of relationships. It works out at work, doesn't it? Oh my gosh, I can't believe everybody in the department. They so do not do their jobs. And I'm having to do their jobs for them. Oh, they are incompetent. I hate them. Or in marriage relationship, jerk Ted can't pick the laundry up off the floor. We've been married 10 years. You would think, ding, ding, laundry does not belong on floor. In hamper, in hamper, okay? And I can't seem to get Ted to go, you know, okay? And boom, boom, boom. And, and so when your needs, when your wants eclipse and bump everything out, biting and devouring are the natural result. That's just naturally what happens. When you're looking out for number one, when what you want, what you need is what the driving force and service and love are out of the equation, Paul says, of course there's biting and devouring. That's just it's the way it works. And, and here's some practical advice, by the way. Um, a lot of times in the, in the Christian world, we, we kind of cloak anything to do with walking out the Christian faith with this um, idea of, well, I'm going to pray about it and, and see what God says. Like, okay, so when it comes to this idea of serve your way into someone's heart, I would encourage you, don't wait for some kind of magic Holy Spirit moment. You know, if you're like, well, God, change my heart, you know, that's, those are good prayers, but actually serve, and you'll find that in serving, God does this weird thing and changes your heart. It's just weird how it works, um, because it's, over time, it's really hard to hate someone you're serving in love. <laughs> it's really weird. It just works that way, okay? And so, um, Paul is really mapping out true Christian freedom, because he's saying, when you're really free, you're loving and serving in a way just like Jesus And that's really the best way to live because it's not biting, it's not devouring. It's attractive, it's beautiful, it's the way God wants you to live life. So here's a question that I want to ask in light of this passage, in light of the fact that God says, you know what, you serve your way into someone's heart. Some of you in the gym today might have like a work thing going on. There's a coworker that you really would prefer get drawn and quartered. Uh, Maybe you've got a marriage thing or a relationship thing or a parent thing, okay? And they're a stick in your crawl. You're upset with them. There's friction. There's all that kind of stuff. Let me ask this question. What if in that thing you began to serve that person? What if you began to look for a ways to serve that individual at work? Or yes, teenagers, even your mom or dad. What would happen to the relationship if you looked at it that way and you looked for opportunities to serve. And I know the, one of the immediate pushbacks is, well, what if I don't feel like it? Well, I, I would say don't wait for the feelings. Serve first and let the feelings come later. Because feelings, I, trust me, I know I'm a man and I cannot speak with authority on feelings. So that's my disclaimer, okay? That's my disclaimer. I, I acknowledge that up front. However, it strikes me in life that when we just feel our way through life, we get into all kinds of trouble and messes because feelings, we can't always control what we feel. We can control what we do with them, but feelings come out of nowhere. I'm happy, I'm sad, I want to kill you, I want to love you. I mean, you know, boom. They're just so random and they're in and out and so intense. And so uh, serve first and let the feelings come along as you go. And, and I know another pushback is, well, wait a minute, how far should I really go with this whole serve my way into their heart thing. I mean, do you not understand the jerk I work for? No, I don't. But um, let, me, let, me, let me pose the question. I know some of you, some of us, it's easy to think and we, we go, well, 
okay, yes, generally it's true. We should serve uh, our way into people's hearts and God wants us to love and serve, but mm, you don't really understand the dynamic with my boss or mm, my husband is just, or mm, you don't know who moved in next door. They're, they're the exception. Trust me, Max, okay? And I, I get that, but ho- hold on for a moment. And I want you to take a look at Jesus, okay? Uh, the last night that he had with his friends, he gathered in a room, in an upper room in Jerusalem to have a meal together with them, uh, the Passover meal. And in that mix of people were Judas, the man who was going to betray him and hand him over to the authorities to be, uh, to be beaten and killed. And in that room are all his buddies, his friends, the people that he's lived life with. And he knows that in a 24-hour period, they're all going to cut and run. They're going to desert him and leave him high and dry. Now, let me ask you a question. If, if I were to give you all the power of the universe and you were to be in that moment, in that room, with the guy who's going to betray you and all your friends who are going to walk out, what would you do in that moment? Wouldn't you be tempted to like pull Judas aside and give him like a lecture? Judas, let me explain life, okay? The 30 pieces of silver, it ain't worth it. You're going down the wrong road. I know you want a king and all that stuff, but it's not worth it, okay? Wouldn't you be tempted? Or with some of the buddies like Peter, who's, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm with you, Lord. We're, you know, I'm tight. I'm not going anywhere. You can count on me. You can count on me. You can so count on me. You know, okay? And he runs. <laughs> he runs. Don't you, don't you just want to go, Peter, Peter, Peter. Hello? Consistency, my friend. You know, in that moment, you would want to lecture. You would want, and, but what does Jesus do in that moment? In, all, in the face of all that's coming, the Bible tells us in John 13, he took a towel and, and, and wrapped, wrapped a towel around his waist and went friend to friend and washed their dirty, stinking feet because somebody had to wash those dirty, stinking feet before they ate. And every single one of them had walked past it. It was a need. It had to be done. And these are people that were going to betray him and run away, and he serves them. So in light of that, I think maybe your boss or your husband or your wife or your neighbor, maybe they deserve a second shot. They deserve a service. They deserve serving your way into their hearts. Um, And that's really uh, the charge that I would give to you, Ryan and Aura, Ministry works that way. It's weird. Um, and no matter how far along or famous, I know church today is crazy and, and we have these mega empires and you can become super famous on jumbotrons, but nowhere in the Bible do I read that you get to a certain level where, ding, you are now exempt from service. You know, there's no, there's no service exemption clause anywhere, anywhere in the Bible. It's no, you can't find it anywhere. And so... Uh, for us, for all of us in this gym who are Jesus followers, that's the way to live. And, and I would encourage you, if you've got a relationship where there's friction, I know this is challenging. I know you're like, I'm sorry, you want me to serve them even though I should punch them in the face? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. And yes, that's what I'm saying. 
you will be surprised by the results. I'm serious. Eight times out of 10, and I know there's two you know, crotchety people out of 10, okay? But eight times out of 10, what happens is their heart opens up. It's just like the end of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas where it grows like three times. Bing! Okay, it happens because God knows how, that's how we're hardwired. That's why Jesus himself said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve because God knows you serve your way into somebody's heart.